Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 30, The Fate of the Furious Review. episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, The Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me for another episode of film-related discussion. Film Focus, as usual, is a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss different topics of film, and today is another film review. Now, I know that I keep saying that I'm going to get around to talking about some of these other topics, and I will because I have got many things brewing in my, like, you know, was it media-related kitchen or film discussion related kitchen, but, you know, it's coming. I just need a little bit more time to finesse it before it comes out, but believe me, it is on the horizon. But other than that, I've been good. How have you guys been? Been up to anything, you know, significant in your lives? All I've been doing is, you know, working, and, you know, occasionally going to the cinema, and, um, obviously we've got The Fate of the Furious, which is going to be our like you know main topic of conversation today. That's going to be the review. But I also just wanted to make you know some quick mentions about some of the trailers I've been seeing recently because we don't get to talk about trailers on this show all that much. And I just wanted to mention a few. Now, obviously, there's been that Spider-Man Homecoming trailer, the second one that got released a few weeks ago, and everyone's going on about the fact that oh, it's too spoilerish, it's ruining the film. And to a degree, I can understand that because you know they showed a few key details about like you know Tony Stark's involvement and some of the stuff that goes on with the Vulture and some of those scenes. You definitely would have it would have made more of an impact in the uh, you know in the film itself, seeing it in the cinema. But like, uh, I don't mind it. Now, I'm not saying that this should be you know allowed to be put into like you know was it trailers you know key story elements but i thought the trailer was solid and some of the stuff that they did show that i wish i had seen in the cinema still makes me excited to see the film so there is that i also wanted to talk about that it trailer as someone who never really saw you know the tv movie with tim curry even though he looked kind of scary i was just like yeah come on it remake why, why you gotta do that but this trailer looked pretty damn cool and even as a man who doesn't really care for horror or just doesn't like the concept of horror because i don't like being scared in films trailer looked pretty cool that bit at the end with the bloody uh, clown you know firstly with um the uh, bloody projection and it's all the shutter's moving so quick that he's all just there like oh you can see his face a little creepy but that bit at the end where it's just that really random like you know bit where the clown's just running up and the oh creepy so it's so extra but it's so cool i'm hyped um but the main trailer i really want to talk about well actually no there's one other one war for the planet of the apes i think one of those trailers came out not too long ago that trailer looked dope. I'm hyped. My man Caesar going up against Woody Harrison. Oh, the drama is real for the apes and the humans. If this trailer is half as good as, like, you know, as I'm expecting it to be, then the, tr- the film is going to be part of, like, a whole new trilogy. That's just perfection. We haven't had a really solid trilogy since, like, for me, Toy Story. So I'm hyped to see where War for the Planet of the Apes goes. But finally, I want to talk about. <laughs> the recent, very recent uh, teaser trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi Episode 8 I have been looking forward to the trailer since the dawn of time uh, The Force Awakens was so good I really like Rogue One So I'm, I'm, 
I'm riding the Star Wars high right now, and I was waiting for this trailer, and it dropped, and I'm like, yo, man, this is pretty interesting. It gave us pretty much around the same sort of amount that you, we got with the Force Awakens first teaser, but I think a little bit more, you know, story material, and a little bit more of, like, you know, the visual material. We basically get, like, you know, is it our characters, you know, returning characters, we get to see what's going on with them, quick glimpses obviously, but some of the visual imagery was cool, I liked the uh, use of colour, the detail in the CGI, and seeing like, you know, Rey come into her powers, see what's going on with Kylo Ren, just seeing Luke and hearing him talk, boy, got me all giddy, but you know, as a teaser, I thought it was alright, it's intriguing and it's got me engaged. So yeah, I just wanted to get that trailer stuff out of the way before we moved on to the main topic of the discussion, which is... Fast and Furious number 8. Now I think we just need to take a moment to assess the state of this film series at the moment. With the fate of the Furious out now, there are 8 films in the Fast and Furious series. A series by all accounts that should not have survived as long as it has, let alone have the momentum to keep going for 10 films or more. I mean the first film was just Point Break with Cars, that's how I heard it described online anyway, and it was a simple, fun, and you know, fine little film. I thought it was alright, nothing overly significant. It showed up on TV a good few times as well. And then you have Too Fast, Too Furious, which was decent but not as well received as the first film. And you know, I thought it was alright, but again, I didn't like it as much as the first film either. And then you have the third, Tokyo Drift, which was dubbed the worst film in the series by a lot of fans, me included. I could never even get through the entire thing. But then there's this strange vocal minority that seems to think is the best in the series, which is just madness. I don't, don't know what you're thinking, mate. Stop, stop that foolishness. And so by the time the series got to 2009 with the fourth film, Fast and Furious, which is still a stupid title, the series is definitely starting to lose steam. And not too many people were, you know, really that interested in this series anymore. But the film was actually pretty decent, you know. And I think it got a lot of fans that were, you know, not too high on the series back into it. But then you had Fast Five. Good gravy. That was the film that changed everything. We got the huge ensemble cast. It was a heist film. We got Dwayne DeRock Johnson and the over-the-top action sequences that have become a full-on staple of the series. And good gravy. It was just... All of that culminated in the revitalization of this series. It was almost like a soft reboot and yet it worked and for a lot of people it is still their favourite film in the series, me included. So then after that, the series just found its niche and ran with it. The follow up which was Fast 6 was pretty interesting and I enjoyed that but not as much as Fast 5. And then you had Furious 7, a film that had direct continuity with the previous film and introduced the beast known as Jason friggin Statham into the series and while it was not as well executed as the previous films in my opinion Furious 7 was still fun solid and really well put together considering the passing of Paul Walker during production and I loved how they gave his character Brian a beautiful send-off it was a beautiful tribute to Walker and to this day just I still remember that feeling I had when Furious 7 ended and I saw it in the cinema like Maz was getting really emotional um, and I didn't think that was ever possible in this kind of film series but mate it worked you had this collective group of people that really cared for like you know is it Paul Walker and they made that known at the end of Furious 7 so yeah it's just strange to think that this film series has been around for 16 years if my 
years are correct. I'm pretty sure the first Fast and Furious was out in 2001. And there are as many Fast and Furious films now as there is Harry Potter films. Or the main saga of Star Wars films once episode 8 comes out, like, you know, in December. And there are more Fast and Furious films than there are Police Academy films. It is so strange and yet this series somehow continues to exceed expectation by providing a form of entertainment which is silly and beyond the realm of realism but has just enough stakes, logic and memorable characters to keep fans coming back for more. And so that leads us into Fast and Furious number 8. And you know what? I thought it was pretty good. And while it's not my favourite and there are definitely some plot and character things that I can nitpick about, I would say it was a hell of a good time in the cinema and I'm going to tell you why in this review. So as per usual, I'm just going to talk about the story, characters, presentation, and then give you my overall thoughts. Okay, so let's get started. So the plot of The Fate of the Furious follows our main man, Dominic Toretto, who has settled down with his wife, Letty, and life is good for the time being, until a cyber terrorist known as Cypher forces him into working for her and turning against his team. And that is pretty much the premise of this film without going into the area of spoilers. So the film's plot revolves around the fact that Dom has gone bad and is working for a very bad lady and so his team, led by Hobbs, has to take him out while also having to stop Cypher from causing chaos that could affect the world. Now one of the core cool elements of this film series has always been family, especially from number 4 onwards and that is definitely true to this film as well. But we also have new elements with portrayal blackmail, trust, making uneasy alliances, and never giving up in the face of danger. I feel like this film felt a little bit more serious, dark, and it also felt like there was more stakes for some of the characters, especially when it comes to Dom. And while some of the plot elements you could see coming a mile away, and some of the, I guess, more serious elements of the story don't have the uh, payoff that you would like you know, in a deeper kind of way. The film works from start to finish, it's fairly solid, it's a lot of fun, it's serious where it needs to be, the characters work, and again, besides some minor issues that I had with certain plot conveniences and uh, character elements that I would have handled differently. So yeah, besides that, the film was fine, and considering that it has a 136 minute runtime, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous, considering that these films don't need to be that long at all, considering when it's just, you know, just a crazy, fun, popcorn action film, um, it did not run, like, you know, slowly at all. It kept up the pace continuously throughout, and when it needed to be funny, it was funny. When it was serious, it was serious. It just worked straight through, and it didn't, you know, slow down. It was great. It was some... You know, good stuff. <laughs> okay, so it's now time to talk about the cast. And I thought they were all pretty solid. If you've seen these set of films before, you know what kind of acting you're getting from these guys. Nothing Oscar-worthy, but like, you know, really solid stuff. These guys clearly have chemistry. They know what the deal is. They've been working for a long time together. So you can see that when these guys work together, the warmth, fun, and charisma that all these characters have for each other, you can tell that it's shared by the actors in real life as well and it's all really good so firstly let's start off with Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto I thought it was good we got to see a little bit more range from him than we've seen in previous films and sure he still stands around and stares very dramatically or intensely or as some people say he sometimes mumbles a lot of his dialogue but he does have a little bit more emotionally to do than he has in previous films and I liked him a lot he was just you know really solid in the role as he always has been 
And then you have Michelle Rodriguez as Lei, and she was also really good. I love her feisty demeanor, her charm, and ladies and gentlemen, that smile, good gravy. It just melts me, man, because I just love to see her smile in this film. She just looks so happy, and she has my heart because Michelle Rodriguez is just like just a super gorgeous lady. So every time I saw her on screen, I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> Also want to talk about Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris, who played Roman and Tredge Parker. These guys still have pretty good chemistry together, and I like Ludacris, he's fine, but, like, Tyrese is pretty much, like, you know, the standout out of the two of them, just because, you know, this guy has become, like, you know, pretty much the clown character of all of these films, and it's fine, because there's a role that suits him. The dude is always, like, you know, doing a lot of really foolish and silly things, but... He does so at the uh, expense of the audience, and it, and it works. He has some really funny, really good comedic timing, and like you know, some of his sequences are actually like you know some of the uh, you know most memorable stuff. Whether he's just sitting out on a conversation or driving his car in the middle of an action sequence, he always has something funny to say or do. And you know, when he's on point, like you know, Tyrese is killing it in this film. So he was really solid. The return of uh, Kurt Russell was welcome as Mr. Nobody. He just has that nice sense of charisma and charm. And he just has, you know, just the way with dialogue where you're just like, yeah, you're the man. You're cool. Uh, Nathalie Emmanuel returns as Ramsey, and she was also pretty good in this film as well. And now let me just briefly talk about the new players in this film. Scott Eastwood as Little Nobody was, you know, great. I was really looking forward to seeing what Scott Eastwood would do in Suicide Squad, and his role was just, you know, barely anything. So it was fun to see him, you know, stretch his muscles and do a lot more in this film, especially in the comedic department. He was really fun, and he was a good inclusion in the film, and I hope that he returns. Also, uh, Christopher Hivju as Rose, you know, the uh, J.J. Game of Thrones dude. Uh, I really enjoyed his role in this film as well. It was minor, but like you know, notable. So when I saw him, I was like, "Eh, there's another girl, another person from Game of Thrones." Whoa, hey! And then obviously you have Charlize Theron as like Cipher, uh, who is to date probably, possibly my favorite person, you know, villain-wise in the Fast and Furious films. Besides Jason Statham uh, in like you know Furious Seven. I feel like, you know, Cypher was the first person to really do things in a threatening and intense manner. This person, like, has no sense of remorse. It's all about her endgame. She does what she wants. She doesn't care about who else is involved. And she just goes to some really, like, you know, mean lengths just to, you know, mess with people. And Charlize Theron, like, you know, is it... At first, I wasn't sure if I was going to like her character. And, like, by the end, I was like, yeah, man. You go, girl. You good. So yeah, she was a really solid villain for these guys, and yeah, I enjoyed the hell of her. But the two main people that you got to take away from this film is Jason Statham and Dwayne DeRock Johnson as Deckard and Hobbs. Now, Hobbs has been one of my favorite characters since Fast Five, and since then he has only gone on to become more charismatic, more memorable, has so many amazing lines of dialogue, action sequences, and you know, just... The dude's really funny, and you obviously you can see that this is, uh, like, you know, Johnson's personality spilling out into this character but it's so fun to watch and the same could be said for Jason Statham I didn't know like at one point whether this guy was going to come back or not you know after Fury 7 but the fact that he's back just kicking ass taking names he also has a nice sense of charisma charm about him but he's such a douche but in that really fun way in that British kind of way as well oh, I watching Statham go like you know is it uh 
you know, just have his dialogue, not only with everybody else, but seeing him and his, like, you know, sort of beef with, like, you know, is it, uh... Hobbs as well it is so good. These guys have some of the best scenes in the film together, hands down. Their whole beef and, you know, screen time together is just, you know, the heart and soul of this film. It works so well. I love these two together. Jason Statham killed it. Dwayne Johnson killed it. Like, oh, they were my favorite people in this film for sure. All right, now it's time to talk about the presentation. And yeah, it's still on point. If you've seen any of these Fast and Furious films, especially going from number four onwards, you'll know that these films are known for their over-the-top, ridiculous, what-the-hell-did-I-just-watch kind of action sequences. We've seen everything from, you know, cars pulling giant safes through, like, you know, uh, city areas to, you know, cars smashing through skyscrapers or, like, you know, seeing cars being dropped out of aircrafts or cars with tanks, you know, we've seen a lot of ridiculous stuff just amping up as these films have gone on, it's, it's mental, and then you happen to have this film, now this is not a spoiler because it was in the trailers, but you know, I guess minor spoilers if you haven't seen the trailers, but anyway, Fast and Furious number 7 implemented not only a giant wrecking ball, but a bloody submarine, like, what the hell is going on? Like, where do these people come up with this stuff? And yet it works so well in the context of the film. The Wrecking Ball is just, is still like, you know, what the hell. But like, you know, the submarine technically has a reason for being there once you see the film. But it's just the way in which some of these action sequences are constructed. You're just like, that just, no. That, that, it, it doesn't compute in the real world at all. But at the same time, it works into the magic and strange bizarre nature of this version of the world there are a whole load of car pileups explosions and hand-to-hand action you know sequences which are just insane some of these like you know fight sequences involving um Hobbs and Deckard you know played by uh, Statham and like you know Dwayne Durant Johnson these have some of the most brutal like you know is it punches kicks like you know neck twists like you know mashups it's so filth and the sound effects have such a heavy hitting crunch that is almost comicable not comicable comical but it works in the context of the film and some of these uh the way in which the the choreography of these sequences is done is fabulous and also the way in which it's filmed it emphasizes the intensity acrobatic and you know just powerhouse nature of all these attacks is filth and it's so good damn it i love it it was so good as again as a fan of martial arts just seeing people like throw down in hand-to-hand combat is is fab but you know going back to those other you know car related like you know action sequences just (sighs) it hurts my mind just trying to think about it but you know again well done, well choreographed, really good. The CGI work was solid for the most part, with you know some exceptions to the rule with some of the uh, detail and some of the car pileup sequences. But otherwise, really good stuff. And the music by Brian Tyler, I think. I think it's Brian Tyler again that's doing the music for these films. Solid stuff. Um, what's within the context of the film? Pretty decent. So now we move on to the final, you know, conclusion. Fast and Furious number 8, a.k.a. The Fate of the Furious, is another solid film in this series. It's still strange for me that this film series has been going on for so long, but 
with creative people, you know, and filmmakers and like, you know, the cast that are really passionate about this and want to give stuff back to us, the fans, they seem to find ways to go about and continue this series in new and interesting ways while also having like, you know, interesting callbacks to, you know, the previous films. There are some interesting references, visual and verbal that, you know, again, connect this tissue together if you've been watching these films for a while and it works very well within the context of the film. There's some interesting surprisings. There's some interesting surprises as well. And, you know, just, again, really solid stuff. I feel like this film has a more cohesive story than the last film, but doesn't have the same sort of emotional weight that the last film had, again, considering the whole Paul Walker situation. But again, I think it's another solid film in this series, and I, I screw it, I want to see another one. I can go for, like, you know, films 9 and 10 if they get to that point. So yeah, screw it. Faster and Furious, I recommend it. Good stuff. If you're a fan of this series, you'll enjoy this one. If you're not a fan of this series, then, you know, why the hell are you listening to this? Unless you're just curious to see what's going on. Um, yeah, this is primarily a film for the fans. And sure, you could jump on it now if you really wanted to. Like, And you could probably still enjoy this film a fair amount. But I don't think you'd get, like, you know, the full experience if you didn't know what had happened in the previous, like, you know, three to four films. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the series, check it out. Good stuff. So that will bring Film Focus to a close for uh, another episode. Thank you for listening, as always. And if you have any feedback, I welcome it with open arms. <laughs> so, yeah, you can check us out on SoundCloud. Comment in the comment section below. Or if you're on iTunes, you know, listen to this through iTunes, please be sure to go about and, like, you know... Uh, Give us a five-star rating, please. It'd just be nice to increase the visibility of this uh, podcast. And, you know, drop us any comments. Any feedback you have would be welcome. So, yeah, we're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. And, yeah, if you want to holler at me on Twitter, I'm available via HypeSonder55 or FilmFocus55. Or if you just want to send me an email, you can holler at me at thehypersonic 55 at gmail.com. And, yeah. If you also are just interested in like you know written material, check out hypersonic55.wordpress.com, which is my primary area for doing film reviews, TV reviews, music stuff, and all that kind of jazz. So yeah, check it out if you're interested. So yeah, thank you for listening. And as I say at the end of every episode of Film Focus, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace.